I'm B. And I'm B. And, and this, this is Homestead Happenings. Happenings. Where every week we bring you along on our journey to self-sufficiency. And bring you exclusive interviews on all things Homestead from people around the world. So hit subscribe and follow along with us. Let's learn. Let's grow. Let's go. I'm V, and today we are going to chat urban homesteading. I know a lot of you are in a suburban setting, and you're thinking, well, what can I do? I don't have a lot of room. So we actually have a couple of speakers on urban homesteading with very different lifestyles, and they're doing things super different. So this can give you some ideas while you're some of you are waiting to get land. Some of you are never going to get land. You're wanting to be in town and you love the way you're doing it. Some of you feel a little bit stuck and this is for you. So today we have Nicole from Wildflower Valley Farm and she is going to discuss all the things. She's doing some cool things and not only is she doing some cool things, but she is super busy. So it's amazing that she gets done as much as she does. So Nicole, why don't you tell us about your background and why homesteading? Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Um, I live on a one-tenth of an acre lot in a small little town. Um, it's a rural town and we're surrounded by farmland, so like my neighbors don't realize, well, they realize, but they don't really care that I have a homestead. It doesn't, like it's normal here. Um, I like to say that I grew up in a culture of gardening because gardening goes way back in my family. My mom had a garden, my grandparents, my great-grandparents, and I just grew up helping out in their garden. Um, and everywhere that we lived when I was a kid, we had animals. Like sometimes it was just dogs and cats, but then sometimes we had horses or chickens or one time my dad had a couple of goats that he kept for about a month before he got tired of them. <laughs> um, and then even you know, when I was in middle school, one of the places that we rented was on a pig farm. So I was helping out with the pigs. And That's neat. Out of the geese. Yeah, and like all, all the time growing up, my family jokingly called me Ellie Mae because I was making a pet out of every animal that I came across. <laughs> I taught, I, I had a rabbit that I taught to walk on a leash. Just everything was a pet. And then, um, when I got married, for the first three years when I got married, we lived in an apartment. And I literally went stir crazy. Like, I thought I was going to lose my mind because I could not stand living in an apartment. So, and I even got a couple of rabbits while we lived in the apartment that were technically pets, but I had every intention of breeding them for meat. Yeah. Um, and then when we bought our house, of course, I had the rabbits, so I immediately got more rabbits and started breeding them. And then I got a guard, started a guard, and ever since then, I've just dabbled in a little bit of everything. And I've, the only thing I've never owned is a cow. I did have a friend with a cow that I helped take care of the cow and milk it when she was out of town. But I think I've had pretty much everything. Um, not all of it here on the property that we have, but just, you know, like... I had friends that let me keep some animals at their place, and my parents some theirs, and I have things here. I have, on the property that we have, I have chickens and ducks, rabbits, and bees, and mealworms, and that's all right now, but I'm hoping to do more. <laughs> well, 
the mealworms are interesting because so I've not done the mealworms before and I was like why not why am I not doing that um did the regular worms so I'm interested to talk about your process for raising your own mealworms um especially with the amount of poultry that we have and we will be raising them this year I've seen it done a few ways I thought to myself it might be easier for me to do it into the three-tier plastic station I think uh how are you doing it that's what I have it's one of those three tiers. it's got the drawers just the little plastic storage thing I buy at Walmart that's what I have mine in that seems to be the easiest thing and and that seems to be the most popular too and so I think I'm going to go ahead and try that myself um what is how many um I guess how long is it taking you to I don't know what their turnaround time is from actually well, to it get depends on the weather. it depends on the weather in warmer weather the turnaround is super fast like two or three weeks sometimes and then in the winter time when it's colder because I keep mine in a unheated utility room okay and so it's not freezing cold but obviously it's cooler back there in the winter and it might take you know a couple of months for them to turn around in the winter time and but, what is know, the yield um well it depends on how many you start with like how fast they get going like i bought i think i bought a pack of 500 and you could buy them anywhere i found mine on amazon just buy the live mealworms and in warm weather they will almost double every probably four to six weeks wow well that'll be fantastic for me um are are you using the um wide width three drawer plastic or the narrow ones right now i'm just using the narrow ones i'm getting ready i think to expand to one of the wide ones though I had some around here, and I thought, well, that would be pretty good. I don't think I'm going to do the black soldier fly larva. Have you ever done that? I have not. I've thought about it, but I haven't started that yet. I thought, well, I'll do the mealworms, and we've got all the scratch, um, and then we also have carcasses for them, um, and then um, the... Um, the regular worms uh since we wanted to do the uh i've always done the quote-unquote worm farm the vermicompost in place so this year and that's actually works really well for anybody listening that works excellent to just kind of do them in place and compost in place with them but um i'm going to go ahead and do the separate bin this year but it's always worked out really well to do it that way and so they've had those too and um the black soldier flies i don't know for whatever reason just personal preference they're just like gross to me <laughs> a little bit so i think that's why i don't want to do them and i'm trying to do everything else i'm like i will literally do anything but that um and so i'm really excited to get that get that going get that started 
with us being off grid, I didn't want to start anything in the winter time since we don't have a full time heat source. So I didn't, so I didn't want to do that. But now we're warming up, and it'll be the time. So by the time it's next winter, I'll have some things better put in place. I should say. Um, now you mentioned that you're in a rural town. So it's not odd, you know, what you're doing, whereas some people are in the middle of the city and, you know, their neighbor's like, what are you doing? Um, because of that, does your city have a lot of ordinances on livestock or garden beds or anything like that? They do on livestock, not on garden beds. On hooves, livestock are prohibited, anything with hooves. So I, even though... I could probably make room to do like a couple of Nigerian dwarf goats. They're not allowed, so I can't have those. Um, and they do limit chickens, but like a lot of your bigger cities say only four or six chickens. I'm allowed to have up to 12, and I can have a rooster. Oh, that's huge. Um, and a lot of people listening, that is rare <laughs> to be able to have a rooster in town. Um, you know, we thought it was interesting uh, with like Omaha, you know, Nebraska, we'll use that. It is a large city. Uh, we used to live there and you can actually have a lot of stuff. Of course you can't have swine, um, but ducks and goats and all those things. Uh, yeah, you actually can have those. And there's other areas around there that were annexed. And so they've got grandfathered into things. And so you can have even more. So a lot of those farms, like when we used to drive by, they'd have their goats out front and all those things. Well, being in the city, their uh, their sales were, of course, crazy because they had, you know, over a million people right there at their disposal, and they were one of like five people trying to do it. So that was that. I thought that was uh, pretty neat. So no matter where you are, definitely check your ordinances and you might be surprised um and a lot of times rabbits don't fall into those because a lot of towns classify them as pets and not livestock so you can get away with having that breeding trio um since you your grow outs would be in and out so quickly um are you allowed to do meat birds since they're just temporary I am. I, there's no, there are no ordinances about processing for myself. I can do my own processing in my own backyard, and that's allowed. So I can have meat rabbit or meat chickens. Um, it's just, it's hard because there is the limit of 12. It's hard to have enough meat chickens for it to be worthwhile and still have laying hens too. Yeah, that's what I was wondering because some places, because like Cornish Cross you know, six to eight weeks because of that, the city ordinance doesn't, it's not permanent. So there people are allowed to just track for them for six weeks and then they're out of there and they can do it once per year. Uh, so whenever you're asking your town, what can I do? Or you're reading your ordinance, make sure you get the clarification on, on those things. Cause you never know my mom's town. They even have restrictions on types of garden beds. So that's like super um, overreachy, in my opinion. But uh, so definitely check on those things before you get really excited and, and dive into things. Um, so 
you have a lot of experience with being around the animals and doing all the things, even though you've only got the tenth of an acre now. Is this your forever home site, do you think? I really don't know the answer to that. I would like to move to a bigger property, but with the family circumstances that I have, I just don't know how realistic that is because I don't have a lot of help. So it would be difficult for me to be able to manage a bigger property by myself right now. Now, later on, maybe in the future, it's a possibility, but I really don't know how realistic it is, to be honest. What I would like to have is about an acre because I think I could once my kids are grown be able to manage that by myself but right now I, my children are, are small so I, I just don't think that I can handle a whole lot bigger place and you are working full-time as well so that yeah. that really cuts time down um, so how do you manage your normal homestead things let's say um, while working away and having small children um, and not having a ton of help because of circumstances? I break everything down into smaller jobs. So if I can break something down and, you know, maybe just work on it five or ten minutes when I first get home and that might be all I get done that day, well, over the course of a week, I've done an hour's worth of work. Yeah. And then on the, week, on the weekends, I do a lot more and, of course, when, when the weather's nice enough for the kids to go outside with me, they go outside and help. Or a, My entire yard is not fenced in, but I do have a section that is fenced in where I can let them play so I can see them and supervise while I'm working in the garden or working with the animals or whatever I need to do. And that way I can, I can do a lot on the weekends. And I think that's important because um, <clears throat> people don't realize you know i i can't do a ton per day i just have limitations so i you know i have projects and it's like today this is the thing tomorrow this is the thing and i just kind of cycle through those things to have the smaller more attainable things and then by the time the week's over i can check things off um now that's not to say sometimes i don't get behind i got super behind i was very fortunate that my uh, my sister was able to come and help me um, and kind of catch up and things. But like you said, you know, some things happen and then, you know, it's hard to manage the property. And we only have five acres, but we do have a lot of animals. We've got a lot of things going on. Um, you know, it's birthing season, those kind of things. And then it's easy to just blink and you're behind. Um, so... I think it's important that when you're in town, um, just like you said, kind of ask yourself, can I manage <laughs> all this more right now? Um, so when you garden, um, how much of your property would you say is garden? And are you preserving the harvest or are you more, we just eat it as it's in season? A lot of it we just eat it as it's in season um some things like i i am really good at growing peppers and like i i think it's just this property for some reason peppers do really well here so i always have an abundance of peppers and i will usually dehydrate those uh, and then 
you know, anything extra like that, I'll either dehydrate it or freeze it. But a lot of a lot of what we do is just eat as it comes in. Um, I have garden all over. So in my backyard, I have a section that I haven't measured, but if I had to guess, I'd say it's probably 20 feet by 20 feet, roughly, that is in-ground things, like beans and um, peas and cabbage and things like that. And then in my front yard, I have three raised beds that are four feet wide and 12 feet long. And then another smaller raised bed that is two feet wide and four feet long. And I, I plant just whatever I've decided to plant for the year. And those, um, you can't really do vining things in those because the beds are about a foot tall. Just, I did that so that it's easier to reach into them, not having to bend over. And of course, vining things get too tall in the raised bed. Yeah. So I might do like bush beans or squash or uh, all different kinds of greens. I had a little patch in one of my beds of beets that lasted almost two years before I had to pull those. Oh, that's neat. Um, yeah, <laughs> and then one of, the, one of them is mostly herbs. I don't really like beet root. I like the beet greens. So I left them until the roots got so big and, and tough that I had to pull them just, just because the greens weren't doing good anymore. I personally love, so not only the beet greens, um, which I do love as in a salad, but also my rabbits love those, but the radish tops, oh man, I love those too, but a lot of times these greens come up and then people just, um, you know, they like discard the greens, you know, or they're just composting them or, or something like that. Uh, giving them to the chickens, which is all fine, but I highly recommend popping some of those in a salad or something or dehydrating those down as a greens powder. Oh, they're so good. So good. They are good, and they're surprisingly sweet. Like, the greens are sweet. Yeah, yeah. And um, a lot of people don't know that you can harvest the greens, and then they'll just, you know, they'll keep coming back. They're worried that they will kill it. Um you know, so I encourage people to kind of play around with that. Now, you don't cut it clear to the, you don't whack it clear to the base. You leave a little bit there, but um, it's very delicious, and it's just an extra crop that you're already growing, so I highly recommend. Um, I, <clears throat> we're huge on preserving it now. Now, my family has always preserved it and everything like that, but when we were in town there for a while... We were just so incredibly busy that, you know, like you, the abundance would dehydrate, which is one of my very, 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 very favorite things ever. Or we would, um, you know, freeze it quick. Something like that. I wasn't necessarily canning a thousand jars. I just didn't have time uh, for that. And I... Is that why you don't can, really? I mean, just a time issue? It really is a time issue, and I don't have a pressure canner. I have a water bath canner, so I've done a few things, like tomatoes and jellies and things like that. I don't have a pressure canner, and I don't really know how to use one, but I haven't really had time to learn either. Yeah, that's... And sometimes people don't realize that 
I mean, canning, when it gets to be that season, that preservation season, uh, that's like a full-time job. <laughs> you know, and it's it really just... Is. If you don't do it right now while it's in season, you lose it. You lose your harvest if you don't do it all at once. Yeah, and it can... Uh, it, it's a lot. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I grew up with, you know, and my mom and everything, and it would be like a whole, I mean, it's like a day's weeks event trying to get all these things in. And, um, you know, now that's why people say, oh, you, you know, harvest it, freeze it. And then you can process it later to try to get that. And so for me, um, there's some things where I appreciate that everybody does all, you know, they can absolutely everything. I love that for me. I like the versatility. I like to have some things dehydrated, some things pickled, some things this and that. Um, but there are some things that I'm still going to freeze. And, th and a lot of that is because of time, um, because I'm only one person. <laughs> so while everybody is, you know, they're, <clears throat> they're thinking, I'm going to grow all these things. I'm going to do all these things. A lot of times people don't think about the other side of it. The, oh, I have to, I have to harvest this now. <laughs> I have to do something with this now. And it can get, it can take a, like, you get off work. And then before you know it, it's one o'clock in the morning and you're still trying to do this and you're going to work and it can be overwhelming fast. In my opinion, anyways. It does. <laughs> and, and to be honest, when it some a lot not every year, but a lot of years, when our garden just really gets going and there's things to harvest every single day, some of it just gets fed to the animals because I don't have time. Yeah, which for everybody listening, now she's, you know, helped with her feed bill. You know, there is always it's fine to do these things, you know, and it's okay to admit well, I just don't have time for absolutely everything. Um, in theory, you know, a lot of people have it all together. They're baking the bread, they're making the noodles, they're canning all the food, they're homeschooling their kids, they're doing all these things. Um, I personally was not able to do those things and work. I got overwhelmed and it was just too much for me personally. Um, because I was working, oh, it was like an un ungodly amount of hours i mean we're working probably like 12 to 16 hour days six to seven hours a week um in you know manual labor stuff and that's not even including the back end of the staffing and the accounting and all that stuff that is required of an owner at that time and then to to also have my garden was going absolutely berserk and then we had stuff everywhere and then also my son and all the stuff he was doing, I was just like, um, this is too much. So now it's a little bit better. Um, uh, but a lot of my stuff is, you know, for this last year, I just had to sacrifice part of the garden cause I didn't have a lot of time. And then in 2021, um, there was a lot of things that did go to the animals because we had bumper crop on a ton of stuff and I just couldn't get to it all. I just, I just couldn't, but that worked out because we have a ton of animals to feed and it was going to come off the bottom line somewhere. Um, you actually have a lot of garden <laughs> too, actually. I mean, you're really yeah. gardening everywhere. Um, well, so I do, I do containers in other parts of the yard where I can't really, 
like one of my one side of my house used to be a gravel driveway from all the way from the front yard to the backyard and so like there's maybe a half inch of dirt on top of that gravel i can't and the gravel is probably four or five inches thick i can't dig down in that so i just do containers on top of it there's grass on top of it now because it's been so long since it was maintained as a driveway and I don't want it as a driveway. I don't have a use for it to be maintained with all the gravel. So I just let the grass grow over the top of it. And then I put containers on top of that wherever I want to have something in that part of the yard. Well, and I love container gardening too. It's super convenient for me. I like to be able to move things around. I like to be able to change things. Um, I like to grow my squash in the five gallon buckets a lot because if one gets sick or I have problems with it, it's easy for me to take it away. Um, so I love those. What are your 2023 goals, uh, especially with food prices on the rise and all these things, and you're already doing so many things, do you have anything else you're thinking you can dabble in this year? space for them and I've been researching them for like a year and a half and I just really feel like that would help with our meat supply because they produce so fast in such a small amount of space right well we got some quail from my shire farm and we learned that quail were not for us personally um, if I was in town that would be different. If I was on grid, that would also be different. For me, the ducks and the chickens are much hardier. And we tend to brood our birds very, um, like, we don't have, there's no heat lamps. Uh, we're not providing 24-hour heat. We're not doing any of that stuff. And uh, our birds do really well, and they're very strong. But the quail are just so small, and they're much more fragile. And so realistically, they need that constant um, heat source because they're just so small. And we didn't have a ton hatch out because I just used a small incubator. So there was that. Um, and then we had got to thinking about it and we're like, oh man, we got all these roosters out here. And then we have so many rabbits and we had the ducks and then we had pigs that were going to the butcher and it just started to be one more thing, one more thing. But people say, well, why do you keep recommending quail then if I live in town and you don't like quail? I said, well, that's not really it. If I lived in town, that would be totally different. They have a great turnaround time. Their eggs are more nutrient dense. They're pumping them out. They just need a very small space. I mean, there's like no cons when you're, you know, in town or you can have a traditional setup. Just for me personally, it wasn't. But they're always like them and rabbits. That's like my number one thing. Not to mention that quail are not loud. Right. If you have neighbors that might complain about chickens, they're probably not even going to notice the quail. Yeah, they'll probably think it's like a like a wild bird making a random noise once in a while. They won't even notice. Right. And <clears throat> but my Shire Farm has some very cool 
very cool um, quail. So hopefully you'll be able to um, to get those. And are you going to do a elevated hutch? Um, or are you going to try to do like a natural ground pin? I'm probably going to do an elevated hutch because one of the things about living in town is that we have a lot of stray cats. And I think if they were on the ground, they would be happy. Um, as the owner of many cats, you are probably right. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, we have 13 cats and some of them would be great, but the majority of them, oh yeah, they would definitely they would try to snatch them whenever they possibly could. Um, I would say for us, uh, my homesteading goals this year, as far as like progressing or anything like that, most of my stuff is all just really wanting to focus on, um, the soil health and gardening on this property. Now that we've been here, so long and we've gotten a handle on certain parts we try to expand out um a lot of people are kind of surprised by that but we're just trying to i just want to work on kind of the soil makeup getting some things planted out in the forest getting some wildflowers going opening up the canopy that kind of stuff so i'm very excited for all those things so do you grow any fruit I have tried to grow fruit. I have failed at almost every fruit that I have tried. What? I have a beautiful peach tree in my backyard, and it always blooms. But one of the problems with living where we do in East Tennessee is our fruit trees will bloom out and be beautiful, and then we will have a cold snap and it freezes the blooms. Yeah. Almost every And it gets to be where... Um, again, time, you know, cause of course you could, you could tint them, um, you know, to protect the blooms. You could do all those things, but again, it's like, you got to take that on and off. You've got to know when it's coming. You've got to get ahead of it. It also gets dark early in this season. So it's, you know, cause technically the frost covers, it's hit or miss on, are you going to get too cold? Now, the greenhouse plastic and just building, like, a little little dome, little, like, T-post dome, well, that works, but then you also have to take into consideration size of the tree. So, I know that a lot of times I'll say, well, you can do this, 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 and this, but um, I realize sometimes that's just not possible. We lost our plum this last year for the same thing, and... Uh, the peaches, same thing. And so I think I will go ahead and take the time to um, try to tent them. And that's because, well, the peach tree's gone. I got to replant the plum tree. I think I'll go ahead and do that just because I only have the one. I really, really want it. I love it. And so that I made a priority. If I had 50, <laughs> if we were in a different social climate for food all these things I really can't say that I would do it I haven't done it before I'm only willing to do it this year because of the circumstances my apples always do really well but 
Uh, the peaches, that was a disaster. We lost two peach trees, two nectarine trees. Um, yeah, that wasn't great. So, what about, like, strawberries and the berry bushes and all that? You've already tried that, and that's what didn't work? Well, I've had strawberries in the past, um, and I'm probably going to try those again. I don't know if I'll have time to try that this year, because now is when I need to be planting them. Um, but the ones that I had in the past, I, like, they didn't produce a lot, and the ones that they did produce, the slugs and the ants and the birds would get them before we did. I felt fortunate that when we did this podcast, one of our first episodes was on strawberry farming with God's Golden Acres. And if you haven't listened to that, hopefully you'll be able to pop in and listen to that. But um, they actually, her and her husband were uh, growing up. One of their jobs was on a strawberry farm. And now they own a strawberry farm. And so she had tons of tips and tricks and the amount to plant so that you can, you know, get uh, harvestable yield and all those kind of things. And so people really, really found that helpful. And I learned so much in there because I, I preferably use strawberries as a ground cover for the food forest, but I struggle with strawberries, not anything else, just the strawberries. But then come to find out I wasn't mounding them enough. I was not feeding them enough. Um, I wasn't pinching them off right. And I was not growing proper varieties for what I wanted. So I was just not going to make it very well there. But I wanted to try to do the strawberries because I love them. But they're a pickle. They're hard. <laughs> so I was really glad that she came on to talk about that. Uh, we have the apple trees, I'd say, did the best. We have the pear trees. But our blueberry bushes did excellent. But then we went in, th we had a 10-week drought and it was so hot it was like being one with the sun this last year and burnt them to a crisp no matter what i did to water them burnt them up so i don't expect them to come back this year we'll see yeah, I, I, I think that's what happened to my blueberry bushes i had some for almost three years and last year it just did not matter what i did they just shriveled up and died from the heat yeah and I was watering and watering and watering, but oh my gosh. And they were mulched and everything. But I think, so this year, if they survived, it'll be a little bit better. And the new ones will be a little bit better. Because I am going to do um, some vines down my chicken coop run fence. And they're on the other side of that fence in the runoff of the chicken coop which works excellent by the way but i'm hoping that vine will cast some shade from that afternoon sun to allow them not to burn up like a crisp um i've got some like the hummingbird vine and grapes and um you know squash and melons and all that stuff i try to grow those on the chicken coop and duck coop runs um, it provides them shade they kind of eat one side of it and then they fertilize it and everything and it works out really well but otherwise um i don't think 
that the spot they're in is going to work. It would have worked until some trees fell down, which I couldn't foresee. And so now I've got to make adjustments. Um, what would you say for people that are in town and they, you know, they've got traditional houses, they're in there and then they want to go and they want to get the land and they want to be, let's say off grid and all those things. What three things could you suggest that they learn in town before they take off to do those things? Well, two things I think are especially important. The first one is don't get in over your head. Start small because it's easy to get excited and want to do all the things. And then you just get frustrated because all the things are too much when you're first getting started. That's a huge one. And it's easy to get overwhelmed. So start small, start with one or two things and learn how to do those and do those suit very well. And then add one or two more things, you know, as, as the years go along. And the other thing I would say is um, any, any kind of structure, whether it's a building or even a fence for your chickens, make it temporary to begin with because where it looks good this year after you start using your land it might not look good there next year in terms of whether not necessarily what it looks like but just how how well it works for your property whether it's convenient what you know which way the sun comes from whatever if you make your structures temporary to begin with then you can move them and once you figure out where that particular structure works the best then you can make it permanent and I would say that's true for a large property or small property either one I like to say that I Jenga not Jenga but uh, Tetris things on my property like I'll mm -hmm. try it somewhere because I think oh it, w it would work great right here and then I try it for a year and it works okay but not great but it, I figure out over the course of trying it that it would work better over on this side of the property yeah, we have, uh, and I think no matter how well you're planned, you might just change things. Or you've planned to do all these, you know, these things. Let's say that you plan to get ducks and you when you put the ducks, you plan all this stuff. And then you decide you don't like ducks. And now you've got this permanent structure and an in-ground pond right there for them and all this stuff. And you're like, well, now what? So definitely, especially when you're trying new things, you know, and you're not sure if it's going to work out, <laughs> to definitely do that. Um, yeah. On that part, I will interject here and say that a lot of times you can work with someone to go over your property, get a 3D design for your property, um, or 2D. They can, um, you know, research your wind and your sun and all those things for you. Um, I did just announce over on our Facebook and things that I am certified to do permaculture, sustainable landscaping design and help you with those projects. So if anybody is interested in those things and you're on a new property or you're trying to figure out how you can best use things to have low waste or no waste or working systems, let me know. We can work together, do some consulting, and 
try to get those things figured out for you. So I'll just interject that there. Um, what would you say is, let's say you had all the time in the world. Okay. What would you say you would do if you had all this time and you were going to have your acre property you know, this is just a fun question. What would you get or what would you do and learn? Cause you really want to, but right now you just don't have time or space. Um, if I had all the time in the world and the space that I wanted, I would definitely get goats again. I'm, I miss my goats. I had goats on my parents' property and I loved them. And then my parents sold the property they were on. So I had to get rid of them. Goats are fun. I do love goats. We I love my goats. And did you have Nigerian dwarf? No, I had, well, I had a mixture. I had a spawning that was my dairy goat. And then her, like, pasture mate friend was a boer. And then I shared a Kiko buck with a friend of mine. We just passed him back and forth for breeding. We have Nubians and La Mancha. And they are, they're just fun. You can, you know, just to pet them and just like hang out. They're just fun. Um, I would say if everything, like if I could just have whatever and I had all the space in the world, I would have a herd of Highland cattle because I just really like those. Uh, but... I think that would tie with the baby doll sheep because they're so cute, but being practical, <laughs> uh, they're probably not the best sheep I could choose, but they're super cute. <laughs> they are super cute. Um, do you have any type of, you know, social media or anything that people can see your gardens or see how you're managing everything and learning new things I, I do I have Instagram and Facebook and a YouTube channel and I don't have a lot of, of anything on there that's recent because my computer editing software it's not or my video editing software is not cooperating with me right now but I'm hoping to get some more recent things more up-to-date things on there this year. Which, people don't realize how much goes into the back end of a YouTube video or any of those things. Even just that six, seven-minute video could be so much editing, so much time, moving the camera around. Yeah, that's a lot of time all in itself. I will include all of your links and everything into the description box of this so people can go and check it out and check back periodically. Um, <clears throat> I will say before we wrap up here, have you sold or thought about selling any of your excess produce or anything like that or considered um, trying to move more towards anything for profit to kind of pull away from having to work so much? I have not because I, I don't feel like I have enough space on the property that I have to produce enough to be able to do that. 
like if I if I feel like if I if I were going to do say market gardening or something. I would have to devote all of my property to one specific crop instead of being able to grow the variety so that we have things to eat. Yeah, I th and that just goes, you know, more to location and all those kind of research things, you know. Maybe you're listening and you're a single person and you're in town and you've got all this room and you know, you could plant it all in cotton come again greens and you could have a restaurant contract and that, you know, that might work for you. But when you have a family or higher overhead or maybe you're debt free and there's just the two of you or things like that. So always consider your situation and what you can and can't do. But do you have any closing thoughts at all on or encouraging thoughts for people who are in town and feel like, okay, she's gardening, she's got a few animals, I can do this too. Um, I think the biggest encouragement I would say is be open to the possibilities. You know, search the internet, ask your friends, ask around, see what other people are doing because you might get some inspiration for things you didn't realize you could do. You know, I didn't, it didn't cross my mind to put raised beds in my front yard until I saw somebody else do that. So I think the biggest thing is just be open to the possibilities and try something. You know, I have a, a what used to be a flower bed in, my, in the front of my house that I will plant um, vegetables that look pretty. You know, so mm -hmm. somebody that's in town and the neighbors might complain because you're growing carrots in the front yard. Well, Swiss chard and purple cabbage, when you put them together in a bed, look really pretty and decorative, and then you can still eat them. Yeah, and that's the thing. In a front yard, it being beautiful, it, it just goes a long way. And if you've got some neighbors and you're in that situation and they maybe are a little bit growly, possibly you could offer them some harvest, build that community relationship, and, you know, you'll be able to find other gardeners in your area, possibly. If you are both trying to do all the things, you know, maybe somebody does, grows one thing and somebody grows another thing, and you're able to really devote more time there by working together. So you never know. Don't be afraid to reach out. I promise there is a gardener oh, yeah. somewhere. Like with the chickens, you know, if I had a neighbor that was maybe kind of questionable about whether they liked me having chickens, well, I would definitely share some eggs with them, and then maybe they would be okay with me having chickens. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of times, people aren't trying to be growly. They just don't understand, or maybe they think you're going to let it get out of control, or, you know, maybe they think it's going to be super noisy, or you're not going to clean it, and it's going to stink. Sometimes all they need is just a little bit of reassurance. Uh, don't jump on the defense too quickly because most people, uh, a little bit of education goes a long ways and just being kind. So thank you so much for being here and I'm excited to try the mealworms for myself. Hopefully somebody is encouraged that they can do the mealworms and the rabbits and the chickens and the gardens and oh I couldn't use this land but 
she was doing containers and now I'm going to try containers. So hopefully that resonated with someone. On that note, let's learn, let's grow, let's go.